So now we are going to have Jerry come up and share the word with us this morning. I'm so glad they're here. Uh, Jerry and his wife Mary, give him a round of applause. So they, they hail from Wichita Falls, Texas, um, which is where all great things come from, including my wife. Uh, so Jerry was Shannon's youth pastor growing up, and Mary was a mentor to Shannon. Um, so I said this yesterday, but I'll say it again. If you need any dirt on Shannon, um, this is really where you go. Um, they knew her as, as a little teenager in middle school. So um, we are so happy to have them here today. And um, Jerry, would you bring us the word? Thank you, sir. It takes me a second to get set up. If you were with us yesterday, good to see you back. And I'm so excited to be here. Um, I thought about this a while ago, just as someone... It's our first time to be here, and we've been to San Francisco several times. My wife has run uh, the San Francisco Marathon a couple times. That was an experience, and uh, I didn't, I was eating donuts while she was running it, so I didn't have any part of it, but I sure had. It was freezing cold. We love this area, but this is the first time we've been to your church, and as someone coming in who has known Shannon her whole life, uh, literally, um, just speak this over you. This is a real sweet spirit here. There's a real sweet spirit in the church. Uh, we sensed that yesterday, and I'm pretty sensitive to, if you will, the presence of the Lord in some place, and, and we do speak a lot at churches and places, and um, I think my first question, I walk into a place, is is, uh, is the presence of the Lord obviously here, it really is, and we're so proud of the work that uh, Drew and Shannon are leading here. Our church actually prays for you all regularly, supports you as much as we can. You know, our pastor, Bob McCartney, is, is very close to Drew and Shannon as well. So we feel a real kindred spirit here. And uh, love being with you yesterday. Uh, we had the best time. Uh, love being in this area. This is what rain looks like? Okay. <laughs> uh, it, it'll be 102 degrees when we land in Dallas tonight. And we live about two hours west of Dallas, Fort Worth. And uh, I think this summer we've had an incredible, incredible drought. In the weirdest year in the world, weather wise, I'm a weather person. About six months ago, where we live in Wichita Falls, which is kind of the beginning of West Texas, you think of a Bonanza movie or Gunsmoke, one of those, that's us. They filmed it there, I believe. And uh, about six months ago, we had a couple of days in a row, it's five below, totally freezing. All summer long, we've had about 80 degrees over 100, 115. It's been incredible. We live in a place that in the six month time, the, the weather will change 120 degrees. It's pretty hard on the system. Uh, tough on our plants. Uh, we, I've just been enjoying so much the plants. Been enjoying the fish. We don't have good fish in Wichita Falls. We have old catfish in the lake. And, uh, uh, what was good last night? And I really sinned this morning the sin of gluttony. Uh, we don't have good bakeries either. Running down the street from my little uh, place we're staying, we had been by this bakery, Gales maybe the last couple of days. Hello, everybody knows that place. That's a blessing. So my sin of gluttony was, and I'm a pretty healthy eater. I try hard at least. I try to do the gluten thing, you know, or the no gluten thing. And so but we're there today, and I, I, we're on vacation. It's California. Good to speak here. So I'm going to let some things go. And so we eat the eggs. I eat the sausage. I eat, God is my witness, and I feel really nauseous right now because of this. I ate an eclair. And I, and I ate a, what do you call it, a fritter thing? It goes, it gets better. And then the best was... Um, what was the other thing called? Gosh, this cinnamon rope set me free. I did all of that in one city. Besides eggs, besides sausage, I mean, if I don't eat for 
80-something, 72 hours, I'll be fine. But I mean, goodness, it was good, though. So we're enjoying California and love it and love your weather. You don't need somebody from Texas to tell you this is a beautiful place, but this is a beautiful place. And you're blessed. And so we are just excited to be here and hope to come back again. Uh, if you'll grab your Bibles in a second, I'm going to be in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. If you're with us this weekend, uh, you kind of know where we're going. Did a lot this weekend, and I'm going <clears> to <throat> wrap up the weekend on uh, parenting by getting right into it. A couple, three years ago, the Lord showed us a truth that's helped us with our family of four kids. We have kids uh, 12 to 24. I'm going to show you our picture real quick since we're talking about parenting. You need to get a little reference to what I'm talking about here. There I am, the dude with no hair. Uh, this is Christmas time. Uh, there's Mary, my wife there is to my right is our oldest, Maddie. She's 24 uh, in her second year of law school, really loves the Lord. Uh, may do litigation, wants to do something uh, kind of uh, supporting Christian causes through law, maybe even pro-life, and that's second year. Uh, our number two is Mallory, the little cute one to Mary's left. She's a senior at the University of Arkansas and uh, probably going into ministry. We do two things back home. And, uh, for the last 29 years, I've been on staff at First Baptist Church. First 17 years as a student pastor, which is a lot of advantage of how we teach parenting, we watched hundreds of thousands of families do it well and sometimes do it poorly. A lot of what I'll share with you in the next few minutes comes out of that experience. The Lord really gave us an interesting vantage point and a perspective. And as I told you yesterday, I took a lot of notes because I kept thinking one day, I was a youth pastor several years before I was a parent, and God gave me a good vantage point of saying, this is how it's done well, and this is how it's done poorly, if you will. And uh, uh, I say all that to say we're also the youth pastors again now. In the last couple of years, Pastor Bob has said, I want you to remain the executive pastor, but I also want to take you, want you to take on the role of a youth pastor. So I'm very tired the last couple of years, but it's a great work. It's blessed work. I mentioned all that because Mallory, our number two, worked for us this summer. As an intern, we kind of think she's kind of fell in love with the little boy that's on our staff. He's not a big boy. He's 22, 23. I'm not sure how I feel about that. But anyway, she, that's where she is, and she'll be home this week. Uh, she was a cheerleader, and, and think, kind of think the Lord's called her into ministry. We're not sure. She's a special ed major, a senior there. Kept my son. Uh, he's 18. Great kid. He's kind of a, as you heard me say yesterday, they're both men and boys at 18, so he's a man boy. And uh, <laughs> senior in high school, plays basketball in Texas. He's 5'11", and where we go from, 5'11 is really short. At home, he's tall. On the court, he's a little bitty guy. And, and they play with giants. And uh, he's very involved in a youth group. And uh, just texted him a while ago, and he said, Dad, do I have to mow the yard today? I said, absolutely, you do, son. When I get home tonight, I expect the yard to be done. So uh, the yard's going to be done. It's a big deal to me. He's also got basketball practice today. He's got a church youth group tonight. He's like, oh, I can't do it all. I said, yeah, she can't. You'll be fine. Uh, <laughs> then uh, our little blessing is Kayla. We, she's 12 years old, sixth grade. Uh, we felt led a Lord about nine or ten years ago to foster. I know some of y'all do that. We just kind of felt God impressed upon us. One way to give back is to give back to families and to the children in the whole foster care system. I didn't know what foster care was. Mary told me we should foster, and I didn't even really know what it was. I'm, I'm so clueless. And, uh, but we got into the foster care system. We had three boys for about a month, and we just intended to foster the rest of our life. And little Kayla came to our house. We got a call in May of 2013 from CPS saying, we've got a little bilingual, uh, uh, bilingual biracial, um, two-year, nine-month-old, 
We've picked her up about 45 minutes from your house uh, in a terrible, neglectful situation. Police have picked her up now twice, and she's got to come to home with y'all take her. It was Friday evening. About two hours, we had a chance to get things together. The next thing you know, CPS handed this little child that was filthy, dirty, crying, could say six English words at two years, nine months. Took her in there at home. First thing other kids did was they grabbed her, cleaned her up. Um, she smelled so bad, I can't even describe it. It took three or four days to get the smell off of her. Uh, day one, she called the uh, Mary Mama. Day two, she called me Daddy, and we were kind of hooked. Because that's a problem that happens. And um, uh, we expected to keep her about two or three weeks, and CPS called and said, we love you guys. Would you all ever consider adopting? We said, no, no, no. No, no, no. Three was our limit, and, and we've done well. And uh, But we kept her and fell in love with her, and uh, Mary started ministering to her birth mother, a lady about 45 minutes away. Every week she'd meet with them, and after about six months, the birth mother said, Kayla is supposed to be a royal. And then we went through the whole legal process of lawyers and all that kind of thing, and it was very complicated, and we told them, we will mortgage our house to get that kid. You can have everything I have, but I want that kid. And they said in court one day, it's the coolest thing in the world, went to um, uh, The judge, we're in a, a, this old county seat place west of our house, and an old judge says, uh, one of the best days of my life, I've been a judge for 40 years, one of the best days of my life is that Michaela Marie Royal is now a royal official. And her birth certificate says, born to Jerry and Mary Royal, August 10th, August 12th, 2010. So uh, there she is, cutest thing in the world. That's a great afro. She can play soccer, but anybody in this room, uh, <laughs> she's tough in three boots. And you can't see the freckles and, and the caramel skin, but she's the cutest thing that walks. And uh, had her first sixth grade dance when we weren't there. That's bad parenting, by the way. <laughs> That's bad parenting. Uh, it really is. Okay, but well one of the things the Lord showed us years ago, actually only two or three years ago, is that there are three basic styles of parenting. If you will, two do not work, only one does. By not working, I mean this. They don't work to produce a child or children that will embrace your faith one day. And as Christian parents, I've never met a Christian parent who had anything other than one intention. It's this. I want my kids to one day embrace the faith when they're adults that we have. What's the truth? If you were with us yesterday, you said the end goal is we have a lot of intentions for parenting, but the end goal is I want our kids to embrace the faith. The thing that means the most to me, I want to have my kids have that. I want to give it to them. And there are some things that we can do as parents that will greatly affect that. So I'm going to give you, let me get this closer to me. I'm going to give you two styles real quickly. I'm going to do this quick. Um, first two styles that do not work if you want your kids to embrace your faith. Uh, the first one has been very common, especially if you're over about 48 to 50 years old. If you're under 48 to 50 years old, you were probably raised in style number two. Style number three, not many people raise their kids style number three. Style number three is the most biblical. Clearly, it's the only biblical style parent. Because it's biblical, it's the best style of parenting. And you're going to hear me do a lot of alliteration today because I like to remember things. It's the most balanced style of parenting. Style number one and style number two are very imbalanced, extreme parenting, which is the worst style of parenting. Those two. Uh, here we go. Style number one. And the we're going to end today is I'm going to take style number three and I'm going to show you five other things quickly 
that create the best environment for your kids to one day embrace the faith. With me? Let me pray for a second. God, for the next few minutes, we've had such a good worship time in here, and when you talk about parenting, there's so many reactions to it. Uh, let us just uh, calm our hearts and spirits, and whatever you want to say, I ask that your spirit would do so uh, through the vessel in me. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Style number one is very simply this. Again, it's very much, this was the style that was the dominant style of certainly Western culture. It's still a pretty dominant style in many places in the world that's not Western culture. Uh, let me use these terms. Style number one is a, is a style, I'm going to use the word discipline. It was a style very common, again, pre-1980. Let's, let's use also the word uh, uh, rules. Let's use the word tough. There's a lot of great benefits of discipline, as we talked about yesterday, and I'm not going to go there today, I don't have time. But style number one, which was very common in America, especially in 1980, if you're 50 or over, you were probably raised at least by one parent in this style, is a home that's an overemphasis on discipline. Being tough, having a lot of rules was the dominant focus of the home. This home was also characterized by way too little delight in the kids. Even an atmosphere of delight in the home. Very rigid, very harsh, very stern, very strict. Uh, a lot of rules. And because of that, and probably no intention to do so, there was really very little relationship at emotional level with the children. It was just, I tell you what to do, and you do it, and you follow me, and sit down and shut up. And there, has a, there is a benefit to that. It's just imbalanced. Uh, this was... Uh, this home lacked tenderness. If you will, not without any intention, this home had a lot of laws, which are good in themselves. It's just incomplete. And really very little, I'm going to use the term expressive love. The parents love those children. They just don't express it. So because of that, it tended to produce a home where the kids were very distant from the parents. May even still be. Uh, Rules minus relationships very much produces, can produce, and often did, a rebel, a rebellion. This is a home where kids tended to run away from home as fast as they could. That's the 18-year-old that said, I'm out of here, not coming back. One of my parents, that's how they raised us. Um, here's where it gets interesting. If you take this style rules minus relationship, and you put it in a Christian home, let's use the term religion, if you will, I mean that real generally, and especially more of an empty religion, where it's just a lot of discipline, and we threw in scripture and God and going to church, but we lack this right here, it almost always has produced somebody that says, I reject what my mom and dad taught us. You'll reject that religion. The deconstruction things that go in our, our culture right now, you, we have all these uh, uh, older millennials, my generation, uh, uh, I'm in the 50-ish range, uh, very common. Most of the, the, the common thing to Christianity is everybody's deconstructing or leaving the faith. I'll almost guarantee you they grew up in the home. Uh, parents did not intend this, but it, it came across as very loveless. Parents were very emotionally distant. Uh, could be even absentee, probably very angry, 
And it really produced a person, especially toward the faith, that was bitter and broken. These are the people that I use the term sad. We have a culture of sad people that we grew up in that home. Style number two. This has been the dominant style post-1980. We went, man, that didn't work. And so as culture always does, we were over here. And now let's go to the other extreme. So you can do the math with me. This is style number two. Uh, if you're about 45 and under, almost always you've been raised, raised in this style in America. Uh, if you're raising kids now, this is the style, whether you realize or not, we've been told to raise our kids, and it would be just the opposite. Heavy delight with little discipline. And let's define these terms again. Heavy, heavy on the relationship. In your notes, I've called style number one. Uh, you can see it there, the dom or the distant disciplinarian. Style number two is friendship person. I'm on the plan to be my kid's friend. That's part of the truth. The problems with style number one and number two is that neither discipline nor delight are wrong. They're actually right. They're just imbalanced. Over here, it's heavy, heavy delight, little discipline, which tends to produce what? We see it all the time. Great disrespect towards parents, toward authority. <clears throat> Even disdain. Um, over here, it's relationship minus rules. Anybody know what that produces? Great disrespect. It actually produces not a kid that will run away from you, but a kid that will run over you. That ain't no good for the home. It's not any good for the child. It works when they're 15. It doesn't work the rest of their life. And it never works for you at the home. Um... Really, this will eventually not just produce disrespect, it'll produce resentment. You always resent somebody that can't, as a child or under an authority who you can't respect. You'll resent them. Matter of fact, we saw this yesterday, and you can see this in style number three. And here's style number three, and this is the biblical balance method. Look at it in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. This is the summary verse in all the Bible on parenting. And as we said yesterday, the Bible doesn't say much about parenting. But here under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Paul says, here is biblical, balanced, best parenting. He says this in Ephesians 6, 4, fathers, which means parents literally. Fathers represents the home as the leadership, father, mother. Fathers, mothers, do not exasperate your children. Or do not, literally in your Bible, write down the words, do not be extreme with your children. To the point of causing them to run away or run over or exasperate or quit. It's very simple and easy to understand. Fathers, do not extreme your children is what it literally means in the Greek language. But do two things in the Greek language. Do two things not to the extreme. Number one is this. Bring them up or raise them in the discipline and the nurture of the Lord. Style number one doesn't work. Here's why. It's discipline without nurture. Style number two doesn't work now because it's nurture without discipline. Do not, fathers, do not extreme your children, but bring them up in a balanced, best biblical way of both discipline and delight, if you will. In your Bibles, write down the word delight. Here's biblical parenting. is a healthy balance of discipline, not minus, but plus delight. I like to alliterate, which is God's design. It should read rules and you lead with rules. You lead with discipline, Proverbs 19, 18. As you start with discipline, 
it turns into delight. You'll never have something that can delight you if you first don't get authority to discipline them. You know that if you lead, if you lead something, it works. If you lead a ball team, I'm a, I've always been my son's head coach. First few days, I discipline the kids. I give them the rules. I tell them I'm going to be tough. Later on, I delight in them. I get to be their friends. I get to love on them. But it's not the other way around. If I come in soft, I can't be hard later. I start hard, I can be soft. I establish that I'm the authority, that I'm the leader here. Then I can love you. It's hard to start out with a loving environment and then later on say, let me leave you. The Bible always teaches, and we talked about this year, uh, this uh, yesterday, birth through five, the early years are the years where you have to establish the relationship with kid and your kids in discipline, and then it moves into light. So it's rules plus relationship is what's right. Ooh, that was a lot there, wasn't it? I know. Um... I'm giving you there because I think it's very important. When you t use the word delight or nurture or the word discipline, it can mean so many things to so many people. Here's what we mean by discipline and delight. Look at your notes. Delighting in your kids is about, circle this word, expressing your love. Not about loving them. I've met very few parents that don't love their children. You don't know how to express it. Uh, delighting your kids is about expressing your love. And may I say, more than just giving them things, more than just money. I think that's an expression of love. We talked about yesterday's providing for your kids. Emotionally speaking, they need a whole lot more than our stuff. They need us. Delighting your kids is about expressing your love and, big word, enjoyment of them for the purpose of, here's a big one, creating a positive emotional connection with you as their parents and with them as your children. When we're talking about, catch this, guys, when we're talking about Having kids in a Christian home that embrace your faith, they have to have, I'm going to say it loud, a positive emotional connection with you as people. I'll tell you the end of the story here. The secret, and I'm going to say this again another way in a second, the secret to passing on your faith to your kids, there's many, many important things. Nothing will be more important than you have an emotional connection with your children. It's very hard for anybody to love someone's God if they don't love that person. It's very hard to pass on your faith without a relationship with someone. We all know that. As we witness to people, and I'm sure your pastor teaches this, we have to build relationships, points of positive emotional connection with people before we can really pass on our faith. Isn't that true? Absolutely it's true. Absolutely it's true. Same way with our children. There needs to be a positive emotional connection with our children where we learn how to express our love to them and enjoy them for them one day to embrace our faith. We have to create those environments in our home for them to embrace our faith. And I'm going to tell you something, and I'm not saying this because I'm here today. Nobody is saying that. Might, I'm not reading a Christian book that says this, and I think, nothing smart about me, but the Lord showed us not too long ago the key to them accepting your faith is them first accepting you. You've got to have a relationship with them with that pattern. What happened to the faith back here was the parents disciplined a lot. The parents even gave them a lot of religion and Bible, but there was no connection to mom and dad, so they didn't want your God. Matter of fact, they were turned off by your God. We've all been in that home. Fact number two was, man, we delighted in loving them, but there was no discipline, there was no rules, and so they just ran over you. Same thing, they didn't want your God. Here's discipline then. Discipline in this is the use of verbal correction and literal consequences to do three things. To enforce rules, hang with me, to enforce rules, to explain your expectations for the purpose of establishing your authority, 
reinforcing what is right and wrong and silly self and I know there's a lot there that's happened to get to you. I'm going to give you today a lot to think about and pray about. Two things you ought to meditate on. What does it mean to delight in my kids? I'll give it to you in a package. What does it mean to discipline my kids? Discipline my kids. There is in a package. By the way, the Greek words, and I'm far from a Greek scholar, but I can read the Greek New Testament. That word discipline means that right there. In all, it's a real flowery word. It's a real big word. That word nurture, like, means that. It means the expressions of love. Uh, discipline means the expressions of correction and consequences. That's all it means. It's, just, it's that simple. Now, parenting in the Bible is incredibly simple to understand. But it's incredibly difficult to practice. I want something that's real complicated but easy to do. That's human nature. They give me something that's just real deep, and, and I just, you know, I just love it. But then it's just a couple of pills I can do. Scripture is just the opposite. Whether it's marriage or parenting or so many things, the Bible is incredibly simple. Two things here, two things there. But then to put it into practice will involve everything about you. I love what Drew said a while ago. It's one thing to know truth. It's another thing to apply truth. But the scripture says, my people die for lack of knowledge. Most Christian parents don't know what we just talked about the last 20 minutes. But once you have the knowledge, that's not enough. Now it's the Spirit of God empowering you to do what you know to do. The key to parenting is two things. Number one, I've got to know what God says to do, and now I can't do it on my own. I need His power with the knowledge He's given me to live it out. So it's not one or the other, but I know a lot of people that have zeal as a parent, they have no idea what to do. Or they know what to do, and they think they can do it in their own strength. Neither one works. So with God's truth, then we say, wow, my eyes have been opened. Now I know what to do. Now God give us the power and strength to do what you've called us to do. And it will call, cause you in your home to change your life. If you want to have a home where you go, we're going to have a balance of discipline and delight. It's going to take God's wisdom, God's power, and I guarantee you most of us have to change a lot of things we do. Wow, this is about discipline and delight with my four kids, different seasons, different stages of life, every day. Today he needs this, today she needs that, this hour he needs this, this hour she needs that. This morning we were disciplined, now we're delighting. Now tonight we're being disciplined again. Same child. We've got four kids. That's a lot of discipline delight going on at home. You're right, exactly right. It's a lot of work. I told you two things we can never give you. Nobody can ever give you this. That has to be there for parents. You've got to have a lot of energy. Uh, go eat up. And Claire and two other things, you'll have a lot of energy. You've got to have a lot of energy. You've got to have a lot of patience. Nobody can give that. You'll have to do that to apply what God's calling us to. Now, here's, I want to wrap this up with something I think is so important. The question is always, this is so convenient, isn't it? The, the question is always, um, uh, and it dovetails off of what I just said. The question is always for every Christian parent. So how do we best pass on our faith? What is the environments that we can create in our home as parents that give our kids the best chance to embrace our faith? 25 years of student ministry has given us a vantage point in our place of hundreds, uh, thousands of families. Literally, uh, we minister to about 300 teenagers every Wednesday night, and we've done this now for a lot of years, and you can just imagine all the families. And, and we have seen families do it so much better than we do it, We've done family, we've seen families, it's been close to families, so we went, don't do it that way. Well, through all of that, <clears throat> just recently we said, it seems like the homes where that young adult, 20, 25 years old, really best embrace the, the faith of their parents, or at least one of their parents, 
it seemed like there were seven best environments that causes a kid or they're most likely to embrace the faith. faith. And that should be a monster question. Why does that kid tend to embrace the faith, but that one doesn't? Well, here's the seven environments, and I'm going to let you apply this how you should. Here they are. First of all, it's an environment of discipline. Okay? Matter of fact, the first two are the most important. It's discipline. And then what's the other word? Delight. We've gotten to where I like the word tough and tender. Mary and I use this term. We've used it for a long time. It even applies to your marriage sometimes, but certainly as your parenting. You're tough enough to lead and tender enough to love. That's great parenting. That's Christian parenting. I'm tough enough to lead my kids, but I'm tender enough to love them. There's going to be seven of these, it, but those are the two most important. And I'll even show you after the seven what we believe is number one of the seven. So it's discipline plus delight. You probably know these already, but I'll give them to you anyway. Uh, we think the disposition of the home is incredibly important in order to pass on your faith to your kids. By, dis by disposition, write down the word enjoyment. Psalms 127 says that children are a gift from the Lord and they're to be treated that way. And a home, in, a Christian home environment ought to be the happiest place on earth. The joy of the Lord ought to be more than this worship service here, which is here. Doesn't, if it doesn't affect my home, it, there's something not, not cool there. Kids, I promise you this, have a very difficult time embracing the faith of their parents in a joyless, a home where there's not expressions of love, where it's not happy. And I don't mean happy like, uh, you can do a thousand things in life to make yourself happy. I'm just talking about an environment in this home, a warm, a fun. I told the group yesterday that, that I, well, I don't even repeat that, but the word is the disposition of the home, the environment, is one of general happiness. I mean, I'm going to say this in a real crass way, but I just want to make the point because we love you guys already. Uh, who wants the faith in a loveless, unhappy, joyless environment? Do you? I don't. Brother, I went to a Christian school. Very rigid, super disciplined, heavy rules place from, Burton, from kindergarten through sixth grade. Great people. They couldn't have expressed love to us for a million dollars. Let me tell you something. By about seventh or eighth grade, I wanted nothing to do with Christianity and religion because it was a loveless, lack of fun, unhappy place. Sure, sign me up for that. I spent my junior high years, my first year of high school, running from that as fast as I could because that's the last thing I want in life. Somehow, miraculously, I go to youth camp after ninth grade. I get miraculously saved, and I'm in a, and I become a group of happy, fun, joyful, full of life people. It was very, very attractive to me. Miraculously, I got saved out of an environment of nothing but discipline. That's all I'd seen. It just doesn't work. Doesn't work in a church. Doesn't work in a home. When people walk in this place, this ought to be the happiest place in in, in on the planet. Really should. We like to say your home should be a haven where your kids can come and enjoy themselves. We're going to discipline our kids. We're going to do some work. Uh, Kip's mowing the yard this afternoon. He's getting some things done. When it's all done, and we're going to have happy, we're going to have fun again. Third environment, fourth environment, quickly is this. You know this already. It's very scriptural. 
If you want to pass on your faith to your children, there has to be an atmosphere or environment of discipleship that goes on in your home. A while ago, y'all read Deuteronomy 6, 7, which says we are to be the verbal teachers of God's truth to our children. That's a necessity, if you will. Uh, number five is this, going pretty quickly. I think there's got to be a place where the parents, at least one of the parents, displays a sincere faith, a real faith. Phoniness doesn't work. Hypocrisy doesn't not appealing to anybody. Uh, we tell our kids, we have four of them, and I've been a pastor their entire life at the same church, so you can imagine the fishbowl that we live in. Uh, we don't live in a fishbowl, we live in a microscope. Uh, here's what we tell our kids. Mom and dad ain't perfect, but we're also not phony. They can live with that. My kids have seen me at the worst. They've heard me say the worst, probably do the worst, be the worst. But at the end of the day, they go, Mom and Dad ain't phony. They do love Jesus. I'm not a hypocrite. I just failed. Your kids can handle that. What they can't handle is the Pharisees, where I put on a mask and I pretend to be something I'm really not. Now, if you really love Jesus, it's gonna, your kids are going to pick up on that. It'll just happen. You bleed who you are out of the overflow of who he is inside. You really comes out. He's really there. And, and the kids will be attracted to that. Number one, two, three, four, five, six. Um, oh, that's a big one. They need to be involved in a dynamic church like this one here. Don't ever discount the biblical important role of having your kids in church. Those cries and laughters while ago were a big deal. Don't ever discount the power of Sunday after Sunday, week after week, where God's word is preached and worship happens, the impact it has on children whose minds and lives are being formulated right now. Train up a child in the way they should go, and when they're old, they'll come back to it. I can't tell you the number of people I know, they went, man, I got out of church for 30 or 40 years, but I was at BBS, and I was at this stuff, and now I'm 50, 60 years old, my life's kind of falling apart, but I remember what they said at church, and I've kind of come back to it. You need a church, which you have here, that supplements what you're trying to do at home. That's all a church is supposed to be. And then the last one is, and this is the one that you have very little control of, although one, two, three, four, five, six greatly impacts the last one, is this. Every child has to have their own distinct, unique experience with Jesus, and you pray that they'll have that, like you had that. But I'll tell you this. What softens their heart to have one day, whether they're 5, 15, 25, 75, what softens their heart to have that, that's a, I didn't spell it right. Uh, that was the Greek way of spelling that word. Uh, uh, what a spelling bee champion, probably high school, probably Texas. Uh, they got to have a distinct experience where somehow the Holy Spirit comes meets them. Has he done it to you? I was 15 years old, man. Yeah, did it to me too. The, as a parent, now I didn't really have this. I'm trying to be what I didn't have growing up. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. But how I can best prepare my kid's heart to not just receive Jesus, but to have a lifetime of walking with him is, we're in our home, we properly discipline them. We delight in them. The disposition is happiness in our home. We're teaching them God's word. We have a real genuine faith. We get them in a great church, and all that comes together for the Holy Spirit, and they go, bam. That's how it works. See, parenting is a partnership. It's not all on God. It's not all on us. But it is a partnership.
It's like ministry. It's not all on the pastor. It's not all on God. It's all of us together. But it is a partnership. Don't ever forget that. You do your part. What God's called you and told you to do clearly His word. And then let God come in and do his work. Because it's not just about seeing your kids get saved. It's about your kids knowing how to walk with them once they're saved. And that happens through one through six. Now, all that being said, I'm almost done. Jerry, what's the most important one in your little humble opinion? If you want to pass on your faith to your kids, understanding that everything's important here. It all is a part of the recipe. I mean, it's seven, you know, it's seven ingredients to the recipe. Leave out one, it doesn't taste very good. But if you go, then the one you got to have that Christian churches have missed, certainly before 1980. I don't think they missed now. You know what it is? Right there. You talk about God's love. You do a church. You will at home. Then I got to see it affecting the way you treat my, my, your, your, your husband, your wife, your kids. Your kids are watching. In, a, in, a, in an environment where love is expressed, your faith is best in grace. Secondly, do you know what I think it is? My humble opinion? It's right there. Understand that you got to discipline your kids. Then, man, give yourself to learn how to lighten them, build a relationship with them, enjoy them. Make your home a place that's enjoyable. Um, that's it. Let's pray.